everyone. Uh, I've been uh, suffering from a cold for the last uh, week or so. Um, it always happens at school when the season changes. But I am I'm just about through it, so hopefully my, hopefully my voice will not be too bad. And we can make it. I think we might just leave this where it is, actually. That might be, that might be the safest thing. Great. Thank you, Nick. Um, how are you all? Great to see you. So, so good to see you. Um, man, I was absolutely overwhelmed in that worship. Um, I'll tell you why. There's this, there's this beautiful verse in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, where um, you guys are referred to as the church of the firstborn. Um, and we've, we've kind of lost this concept of, of firstborn in our culture, but it was a huge deal uh, in the Hebrew culture. And it's a huge deal that you are called the church of the firstborn, because what that meant was the firstborn in the family got the, the birthright and got the blessing. Uh, what would happen would be like, if a man had four sons, his... Uh, money and wealth would be divided five ways and the firstborn would get a double portion he would get a double blessing and uh and the second thing is that he would get the the blessing of his father and and what that meant was that he was going to be the one who was going to carry the the promise of abraham he was going to be the one who would carry this into the next generation. So all the hopes of the father, all the dreams bound up in that promise that actually God would bless this family and through this family, he would bless all the families of the, the world. All of that was somehow bound up in this firstborn. And God says that you are his firstborn. You are the church of the firstborn. You are the ones who have received the double portion of his blessing and you have received that promise. It's as if he put his hand on your shoulder and said, you're the one. My hopes, my, my dreams for transforming this world and making it new are bound up in you. How awesome is that? You are the church of the firstborn. And I, I was worshipping and just as we were singing at the end, I was it's like I was glimpsing heaven and just seeing just the ranks of people, you know, people who had been marginalized in this life, people who had been forgotten about and pushed to the, to the sides, people that we walk past, people that um, are not celebrities, but they live in forgotten corners of the world. And I saw them all there just rejoicing and singing that they were, <laughs> they were the church. It was a beautiful thing. You are a beautiful people. You are a beautiful people to God. Some of us have forgotten this. This is almost the main point. This is not my main point, but this is, this, I think for some of you will be the main point today. That you need to fall in love with God's people again. Because he is in love with his people. You need to see them as beautiful again. Because he sees you as beautiful. 
He is so committed to you. He's so excited about you. You need to be excited about the church because your Father in heaven is so excited. You are the hope of the world. You are the ones who are carrying this blessing, this promise that through you, all the families of the world will be blessed. It's in you. How awesome. Come on. Come on. Goodness me. Oh, so flipping good. So good. Right. Uh, I want to I wanna talk this morning um, about, about really how we get to that point. Because, you know, let's, let's be honest. The church doesn't often act like it's, it's the, the firstborn of God. Um, and, and we don't necessarily act that towards each other. We don't have that perspective in each other. And I guess I want to talk about how we get to that point this morning. And so I'm going to talk a lot about um, parenting, really, um, particularly fathering. I just want to say before we begin, you know, these sorts of phrases, you know, you changed my life, they kind of often can tr- just trip off our tongues, like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, that's just changed my life. That's an amazing message. You know, people even say that to me, you know, oh, what a message that was. You changed my life. I think, well, that's an amazing thing to say. I hope that you really mean that. Um, but, but actually, there are, in my experience, there are a very small number of people that have really seriously changed my life. That I, my life is, is different because I met them. And one of them is Nick Tregold. If I, if I hadn't met Nick Tregold when I did, I would be a very different person today now. He has... He's been an, just, he is an incredible man, and I, want, I know that you know this, but I want you to know it again. He's an amazing man, and he has, he has shown me, um, he's amazing fathering, actually, without really trying to, I guess. He has shown me what, an ama- what a father is, and actually, in that way, he's shown me what God is like, and you can't really... You can't get a stronger commendation than that. He's an amazing man, and I want you to know that. And a lot of, I mean, it's crazy that I'm standing up here talking about fathering today. I mean, if you knew anything about me, you'd know that that was crazy. But, I, you know, God is, is bringing me to this point, and it's, it's, and it's you know, it's a, in large part because, you know, my life crossed paths with the life of a guy like Nick Trigold. What a hero. What an absolute hero. Love you to bits. Okay, we're in Genesis today, and we're in chapter 27. How are you folks? Are you, are you still are you alive out there? Come on. Man, you look good. It's so great to see you. Did I say that? Did I mention that already? Maybe that's my main point for today. You are looking great. I am so pleased to be here. Are you pleased to be here? If you're pleased to be here, do not be afraid to express that. Okay, yes. Come on, that man. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, I'm pleased to be here. Come on. Wow, the older I'm getting, the more Pentecostal I'm becoming. I absolutely love it. Okay, we're going to read... read, um, 
uh, a wee bit of this amazing chapter uh, in 27, uh, chapter 27 of Genesis. Um, oh, we could read lots and lots and lots. Um, maybe we'll skip some, but we'll start at the beginning. This is an absolutely astonishing story. Chapter, Genesis chapter 27, verse 1. You could, if you could stick it up, Nick, that would be amazing. That would be more than I hoped. Uh, okay, I'll just start. When Isaac was old... And his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau his brother, sorry, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I'm old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and he shall see that I am mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be upon me, my son, only obey my voice, go and bring them to me. So when he took, he went, so he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and he prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats he put on his back and on the smooth part of his neck. And he, she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. He said, Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that my, your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, Because the Lord your God has granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether, or, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and he said, Are you really my son, Esau? And he answered, I am. He said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near to me. And kissed me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See the smell of my son. It is as the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May, the, may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Okay, we'll stop there. We might come back and read a bit towards the end of the chapter, but we'll stop there for just now. What an amazing story this is. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love us and that you are good. Jesus, I thank you that you promised to send your spirit upon us and that he would be our teacher, Lord. And, and so I thank you, God, that this is not dependent upon me this morning. It's not even dependent upon the people who are listening to me this morning. But you, Holy Spirit, are with us and you will instruct us, Lord. We are your sheep, Jesus, and we will hear your voice. And you will change us by your love. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to move among us this morning and just open our hearts, Lord. Speak tenderly to us. Come and father us. You are our wonderful heavenly dad. Come and father us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Why don't you just invite him? Say, come on, Father. Come on, Dad. Talk to me this morning. Okay. Amen. Amen. Right. Uh, so, how is it then that, that we can, you know, we are the, the church of the firstborn. Uh, but we often don't act like it, and we don't really know what it means to be the church of the firstborn, and uh, and live in that kind of blessing and that kind of security of identity. So how can we do that? What well, another way of asking that question, I guess, is to ask this question, which is how is it that parents, you know, natural and spiritual, how can parents propel their sons and daughters, their kids, into their destiny in God? How can they bring them into all that God has for them? And uh, in many ways, uh, the answers lie in this story, but in a kind of negative. Uh, because this is a, this is a really um, terrible example uh, of, of how to do it. Of how to, but don't you just love the honesty of the Bible? Uh, that, you know, this... This is, you know, the, the family of promise. This is the ones in, in whose line we stand, um, you know, and making a complete mess of it. Uh, but God's still working uh, through it. And the first thing I think uh, I want to say to a- try and answer that question about how spiritual parents... And by the way, if you are a natural parent or a spiritual parent in this church, then I just want to commend you. And I'm hoping that today we'll just release you more and more to be who you are supposed to be in this church and to walk in your call. Um, So the first thing is that we need spiritual parents, spiritual mums and dads, and natural mums and dads to cooperate with God's prophetic plans for his children. Lots of the tragedy and the sadness that is in this story really boils down to the fact that Isaac... um, didn't cooperate with what God had already said, had already revealed. Before Jacob was even born, they visited a prophet. Because uh, it says in Genesis chapter uh, 25 that that Jacob and Esau's mum, she couldn't have kids. Isaac prayed to God, and, uh, and God gave her twins. And, uh, and the twins were kind of like, 
you know, wrestling around in her, in her um, womb, and she could feel it, you know, and uh, was thinking, what's going on in there? As a lot of uh, new mums think, you know, what on earth is going on in there? And, and they visited a prophet, and the prophet said, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And, and in that moment, God is speaking his purposes and destiny into these two unborn babies. And, uh, but what happens is, when the days, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. All his body was like a hairy cloak. So they got, imagine that. Maybe that's what my mom thought when I was born. Uh, <laughs> so they called his name Esau. Uh, which sounds like the word red, the Hebrew word for red. Um, and afterwards, his brother came out and he was holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Now, who gave him that name? Jacob, and what does it mean? That name was given to him by his father. And that mi- name means, essentially, one who cheats. Wow. A bit harsh. Absolutely, Nick. Absolutely. Now, So this is a man, he has heard the prophetic words spoken over his children. And somehow, he misses it entirely. (laughs) And he gives the younger son the name one who cheats. Now, I want you to think about the effect of a name. Because his father calls him one who cheats. And what does he grow up to be? one who cheats. Wow. But the word had already come that he was going to be the one who was going to carry the promise. So you see that spiritual parents in this church, natural parents, that you have an incredible role in partnering with God, in hearing from God the destiny that is over individual lives and lining up with it. Now, as we'll see in this story, God is so good that he can right any wrong. But there's a lot of grief in between. And, and, and as a church, we need to transition from Jacob to Israel. We need to, we, need to, we need to stop being Jacob. We need to stop being kind of like, you know, schemers and manipulators and trying to kind of get what we've already been promised. And one of the keys for us to make that transition is to have spiritual parents in the house who sense and hear what the Spirit of God is saying over individuals and can partner with it and call it. You can name it in people. Say, I see you. This is who you are. And make them come into it. You know, I am... I, li- I mean, I listen carefully when, when um, prophetic words are given over people for that reason. Because I want to, I want to, you know, what, what, is the, what is the Spirit saying here? And, 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 and so I, I remember it. And then, you know, when, maybe when I'm praying for that person several months down the line, I'm thinking about that word. And I'm thinking, I'm going to pray that in again. Because I want to remind them of who they really are. And I particularly pay attention 
uh, or I particularly paid attention when people were prophesying over my daughter. Because I think, what a role I've got, what a responsibility to just, to just keep reminding her as she grows up of who she is. Every night, or almost every night, when she's asleep, even though she's asleep, I just think it's still going to have an effect in the spirit. I go into her bedroom and I put my hand on her and I bless her in the name of Jesus. I want that little girl to grow up under the blessing of heaven. And I'm her dad and I get to do that. How cool is that? Now, if you are a spiritual or a natural parent in this church, you get to do that. Now, how cool is that? Come on, people. Come on. Okay, so we need people, we need um, parents who will partner with the prophetic destiny that God has spoken. You know, names create identity and identity creates behavior. We need to name people the right names. Uh, the second thing is this, that if, you know, we need good parents who will not show favoritism among their kids, because favoritism, what favoritism does is it creates um, insecurity in identity in a family, and it creates fear, and it creates uh, a striving to gain approval rather than a working from approval, Okay? And, and that's what Isaac does, disastrous. What, what happens when you show impartiality and favoritism actually is it poisons everyone's lives, even the one you show favoritism to. Because you see, at the end of this story, what happens is that Jacob has to, uh, you know, run away because Esau wants to kill him. So Esau's become this kind of really, you know, angry, aggressive, kind of uncontrolled, spoiled brat. And, and, uh, and Jacob's become this kind of scheming, manipulative, because favoritism does that. It's, it, it poisons everything, everyone. And, and we, need, um, we need parents who are, who are not going to do that, because you're all the church of the firstborn. That's the amazing thing in God. We all get to be the firstborn. Come on. Um, look at it. Look at it. Verse 11. Uh, and 12. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Oh, listen to it. You can hear the insecurity. You know what insecurity is? Insecurity is essentially an awareness of what you're not rather than an understanding of who you are and a confidence in that. And it happens when fathers and mothers don't celebrate who you are. This is another amazing role of parents, to celebrate their kids, to see who they are, and then rejoice in it. Not kind of, you know, worry about who they're not, or wish that they were something else, but to actually see who they are and celebrate that. So Jacob, you know, he wasn't like Esau. He wasn't a hunting, fishing, shooting guy. He was, that was the bow and arrow, by the way. Um, It was, uh, you can see I don't know a lot about it. Um, he, he was more kind of in the, uh, in the tent, you know, doing baking with his mum. And, you know, and how different things would have been if his, if his father had just been able to celebrate that about him. But he was just not. But again, maybe Esau was just like, maybe Isaac liked to be out in the field hunting fish and shooting. And very often, you know, as parents, we've got to get this. We've got to be able to celebrate our kids not just because of 
the fact that we see ourselves in them. We can't just celebrate the things that in them that remind us of us. You know, oh, you really love that too. Great. You know, because we've, we've got to somehow manage to celebrate who they are, even the things that are very different to us, so that they get to be who they are. Instead of just walking, feeling like they've got to live in our shadow. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need parents who will do that. Perhaps my father will feel me, verse 12, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and I shall bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. This is what happens when when you grow up with this kind of relationship with your old man. You think, is he going to curse me or is he going to bless me? You know, I love him, but I'm afraid of him. You know, and actually pretty soon you start to feel that way with God. You know, is he going to curse me or is he going to bless me? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Fear, insecurity. And verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat eat of my game. That your soul may bless me. There's just a little hint in there. I've done as you told me. Working for approval rather than from it. Parents, we need to be really savvy to spot this, particularly in a church setting. You know, just the ones who just do as they're told and, you know, always do the right thing. You know, we've got to make sure that we're teaching them that uh, they're not working for our approval. They're working from it. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. Um... Oh, and this is another good one. Verse 20. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Now, what's that? I take what that is. That's an example of somebody working for a testimony instead of understanding that they are the testimony. And we've got to be so careful with that as well when we give testimony and we're giving praise to God and that's amazing and you know all the amazing things that testimony does. But we've got to make sure that actually when we stand up here and give our testimony that we're not, we're not thinking, you know, great, I've got a testimony that validates me. You know, actually the truth is that you yourself are the testimony of God's goodness got to get that before you give a test. You've got to know you are a testimony before you give one. And look at Jacob, you know. He's like, he's been scheming away, but, you know, he kind of make, he super spiritualizes it, because he just wants a testimony. You know, God's using me too. Come on. We've got to get this right. Um, three. Now, uh, spiritual parents need to understand this, that Kids' need for blessing is so extreme that they will do anything to get it. It's such a need in them that they will get do whatever they need to do to be blessed, including become somebody that they're not. And becoming a manipulator or a cheat. 
because uh, we need you need this you need to be blessed uh, and, and to really talk about this we need to talk about what blessing is um, you know and we don't have, again we don't have a clue what blessing is because you know I always read the story when I was a kid in Sunday school and just thought well you know what's going on here why doesn't you know how, did, how could Jacob and his mom have thought that they could have stolen this blessing? Surely when Isaac realized that he'd blessed the wrong person, he would just go, oh, right, I blessed the wrong person. Right, well, I take that back, and I bless you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's how I read this story, and I think, well... And what that shows is that I don't really understand what blessing means in this culture. You see... Um, if it is something that is stolen, then it's, there's, there's something that is exchanged in that moment that is irrevocable in its power. And if you, I think if you want to understand really what blessing is, you have to go back to the first chapter of Genesis where the first blessing is pronounced, where God blesses Adam and Eve. Um, and you can see in that blessing, we don't have time to look at it now, but what what God's doing is he's giving Adam and Eve purpose. He's giving them something to do. He's giving them a destiny to reach for. He's giving them also the provision that they need in order to walk out that purpose and that destiny. And in doing these three things, what he's actually ultimately doing is creating identity in them. He's telling them who they are and who they will be, and how they're going to get there. Um, when you've been blessed, you have confidence that uh, to be who you are. You have confidence that somehow the provision will be there so that you can do it. So you can pursue your dreams because you know that your mum and dad are behind you every step of the way, and you know that God is good. So much of blessing is just basically an understanding of this. God is for you. He's with you. He's good. Um, you know, when you've been blessed this way, you will not forget it. And, and, and can I, a blessing like this, you know, it gives you an ability to, to kind of withstand difficult times. It gives you resilience because you know in the core of your being, this is who I am, and this is where I'm going, and this is my destiny. It gives you ability to sh- struggle through difficulties and crises. You know, all over our world, there's an absolute lack of blessing. And we're all... Um, Everybody out there is thinking, how can we be blessed, really? You know, a lot of self-help books just basically boil down to that question. How can I be blessed? And there's a lot of talk of blessing yourself, which, you know, for a, for a Christian, I, I think certainly you can bless yourself. But the only reason you can bless yourself is because you've already been blessed by someone else. And you have to, you have to understand. You have to be, you have to be blessed from someone else first. You know, you, in order to feel smart, you have to have a smart per- person tell you that you're smart. You know, in order to feel good, you need to have a person that you consider to be good tell you you are good. 
You know, in, in order to feel valuable, you need to have a person that you value tell you, you are valuable to me. That's how you feel it. And, and imagine a father, you know, in that, or a mother, that in these privileged positions, they have a unique value in children's lives. And they can, the, per, the one who is uniquely valuable can say to their kids, you are uniquely valuable to me. It's a powerful and it's, it's an amazing thing. We need this blessing so much to become whole that we will even pretend to be somebody that we're not in order to get it. And, and actually, so many people in life and in churches are doing exactly that. They are pretending to be something that they're not because they imagine this is the way that they will get blessed. They're dressing up as somebody they're not in order to get blessed. And it's a huge mistake. The problem with that is that you can get blessed. You can get blessed. And Jacob does get blessed. But he doesn't live in the good in it. He doesn't live, live in the good of it, sorry. Because unless you get blessed as who you are, really, you never really get to enjoy it. It becomes a bitter thing that is actually strangely elusive, just out of your grasp. I know I have it, but I don't get to enjoy it. And actually so many Christians live in this relationship with their Heavenly Father where they know they're blessed intellectually because the Bible tells them so, but they do not live in the good of it because somehow they think well, I guess they're just pretending to be somebody they're not before their heavenly dad. They've not really broken open their heart and said, Father, this is who I am. And heard him say, I bless you. Even though you've just told me what you've just told me, I bless you. We need to be able to bless people as they are. Um, the other thing that this great spiritual parents appreciate is the fact that um, the true test of sonship is, is intimacy. That's the true test. Um, obedience is a test, and it's, it's a good test, but it's not the ultimate test. Um, verses 21, verse 21 and a few around it. Uh, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, and know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Verse 26, then fa his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. And so he kissed him and Isaac smelled his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son. This is the smell of the field the Lord has blessed. You see, obedience is a test, but the problem with obedience is it can be faked. <laughs> obedience can be faked, but intimacy can't. Now I know that Jacob is dressed up as somebody else, so in a sense he is faking intimacy. 
But actually, the truth is that he genuinely, as Jacob, is longing for this moment with his dad. Even though he's dressed as another man, in his heart, he is desperate to be called son. He's desperate to be feel the embrace of his father, the kiss of his father, and the hand of his father on his shoulder saying, I bless you. It's a genuine thing. Intimacy, it can't be fake. And it is the true test of sonship. So spiritual parents, because it's the true test of sonship, it has to be the primary goal of parenting that you would have intimacy with your children, that you would have heart-to-heart connection with them. Because that is what a son is. That's what a daughter is. One who can come into that intimate place as themselves and have that embrace and feel that blessing. And look for that. Look for that in your spiritual kids. Look to build that. Look to establish that connection. Not just that they're doing things that are pleasing, but that actually they have your heart and they want your heart and they're looking for it. Listen, I guess they'll be looking for it. And maybe so the question is, are you prepared to give them a bit of your heart? Because they will be looking for it. Five, like Jesus, great spiritual parents are prepared to sacrifice for their kids to enter into their destiny in God. It's a funny thing, this. Um, but, you know, you hear a lot in the news and stuff like this, you know, the cost of raising a child to the age of 21 has gone up, and it now stands at some astronomical figure, you know. What, an, what a bizarre way, what a biz- absolutely bizarre way of, of engaging with parents you know it's, it's weird it's absolutely weird um, you know when, when, when my when my daughter was born I distinctly remember within the first couple of hours of her birth just looking down at her and just and almost kind of feeling my heart change changing in that moment, the kind of turmoil of emotion. But I looked down at her and I thought, it just seems so obvious in that moment. You know, everything I, I wanted to give everything that I had to this little thing who had just, you know, popped into the world. And I wanted to give her it for free. And I, want, I, wanted, I wanted to get more just so that I could give her more for free. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about financial things. I'm talking about, you know, I wanted to make more progress in God. I wanted to know him better. You know, I wanted to be a better son so that I could be a better father, so that she could stand on my shoulders and go further in God than I ever had. And I wanted to do that for free. Do you understand? In that, I mean, parents will get this immediately. Because, you know, 
and it, it, wouldn't, it's, it, it wouldn't feel like a sacrifice even because the love is so overwhelming. And I thought in that moment, this, this is the Father's heart towards me, that he has all this stuff, all this blessing, all this anointing. Of course, of course he would lavish it on his kids. Of course he would. And nowhere do we see that more clearly than on the cross, where Jesus lives the life that we could never lead and dies the death that we deserved so that we could get for free the relationship with the Father that he has always had. You get for nothing all the things that Jesus paid for. Why? Because it's the heart of the Father to you. And Rebecca, or is it Rachel? I forget. It's Rebecca. Um, says, uh, in verse 13, when uh, in Jacob's stressing, should I go in, should I not, will he bless me, will he curse me? She says this, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. That's, that's apparent. Uh, I'll take this that you can walk into your blessing. It's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, and actually, the truth is that that actually happened for, for poor Rebecca because she never saw Jacob alive again after this because he had to leave because he saw one of them dead. Um, and the last thing, we didn't read this far, but if we could flip forward to verse 33. There's this amazing moment where after Esau comes home, and is really, really angry about what's happened. And, and there's almost a moment of, you have to really look for it in the text, but I think it's there. There's this moment, I think, of realization in Isaac. He's, oh my goodness, all this time I've been working against God's purposes. But actually, this is the way it's supposed to be. Verse 33, then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. I think that in that moment, there's a moment where, where Isaac realizes, oh, all these years, I've been getting it wrong. I've been working against God. I've been fighting him. And then this thing is happening. I blessed him, and wow, he will be blessed. He will be blessed. And this is what I want to say. Whether your father's or mother have blessed you or not, you will be blessed. You hear me? You will be blessed. You know, whether you had a great start in life and you were parented really well or not, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Because listen, you can't avoid this. Because he is looking for you. And he is absolutely desperate to put his hand on your shoulder and bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you. That you could be yourself in his presence. That you could actually not have to dress up as someone else. 
but you could just be who you, he made. Some of you have no idea who you are, and you've got no idea what you want to do with your life, and the problem is you need blessing. You need his hand on your shoulder telling you who he's made you to be, the great things that he's put in you, that he's going to bring out, the destiny that he has over your life. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. Listen, you're not leaving here today without being blessed. Nobody is leaving here today until you are blessed. I'm serious. This is a big deal. Okay, what we're going to do to ensure that everybody leaves here, some of you are looking scared. <laughs> like, what's he going to do? <laughs> Be blessed. <laughs> no. What we're going to do is, if you are um, a dad in this house, then I would like you to come out here. And uh, I, the worship team we're going to play and, and, and I just want to, if you just want to be blessed, get Nick Tregel to hug you. You know, if you are a mum in this house, you know, I mean, if you want to be blessed, just get Darren to give you a big hug. And you will leave blessed. You know, if you're, maybe your natural parents are in this room, go and give them a big hug and get a blessing. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. Get yourself on your own if you don't want to do either of these things. And open your heart to your Heavenly Father. You know, Isaac, in, the, in you know, his dim eyes, he said, who are you? Who are you? I'm Esau, your firstborn. You know, he's asking you, who are you? Who are you? I am Nick, your firstborn. Now bless me. This is the amazing thing. Sons and daughters get to say bless me to their father in heaven and they will be blessed. Amen? Okay.